listen to them. Children of the night, what music they make. Which is normally what we do. You got an Elvira lamp. That's nice. Man. Oh, um, I actually make those. You make those? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. I finally figured out how to make money at a horror con. Nice. Quit trying to do it with artwork. Just yeah. make things. Yeah, those are slick, man. Thanks. I ended up with 13 different ones. Nice. And that's a good number. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that was definitely. Yeah, that was a moment of cleverness one day. Sweet, man. A Han shot first. Yeah. I made a Greedo one that says after you. <laughs> Anywho, we'll do a quick intro and right. start talking about things. Excellent. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast by horror fans for horror fans. We are uh, going to discuss horror movies of all eras or, hey, maybe a book. That would be kind of cool. Um, we're not critics. We are artists and illustrators, and we will spoil any movies we talk about, so that is your spoiler warning. Anyone listening to this, um, you can I'll pause any time. other movies, too. <laughs> Tell us about Mutiny on the Bounty, Well, <laughs> It was all a dream. <clears throat> See? It's that again. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us their song, Intro, Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on iTunes or Amazon. You can find them on Facebook where they are the moon dash rays, not to be confused with the other moon rays that don't have a dash. All right, there it is. Those bastards. I know. Doo-wop, uh, not doo-wop, uh, acapella group. Oh. Yeah. The moon rays are the spooky surf group, so it's going to only take five seconds to figure out the difference. Um so let's just start by saying in, in the May 5th through 11th issue of The Westward, which anybody outside the Denver area could find at westward.com, and that's W-E-S-T-W-O-R-D. Um, and that's Leela, our fearless pack leader. She's a shepherd mix. She's going to get bossy. We'll let her out later. Um, there was a, a feature story on an author, uh, Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, and, the, and this story was... Um, titled Werewolves of Boulder. And in this story, we discovered there's this incredible author only a few miles from here in Denver. Yay. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Right on. So uh, how was that to see yourself on the front of the westward? Oh, it was cool. Everywhere I went, there was me having that werewolf shadow. And, <laughs> and having that werewolf shadow was so cool because, you know, I grew up watching Fox's werewolf series in the late 80s, of course. And, oh, yeah, um, I remember that and that poster for it is that main guy, what's his name, Eric? I can't remember his name for sure, but he's standing there all alone and casting a shadow, and his shadow is a wolf. You know? Yeah, okay. That's I, so I, cool. I didn't even tell them. They came up with that all their own. Really That cool. was the one that he had a pentagram yeah. on yeah. his hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which never makes like any kind of biological sense. But, no, yeah. but I remember that series. <laughs> mm -hmm. How long have you been a published author? My first novel came out in 2000. I, my first story was 1996. Okay. 
So how does it feel to, um, I understand this one is on a major imprint. Uh, yes. It's yeah. a Har- HarperCollins. Uh... It is. Yeah, it's HarperCollins. It's their imprint, William Morrow. Okay. And no, I love being with them so far. They seem to, um, they care both about literary integrity, but they let me go crazy places. You know, <laughs> that's always been my dream. That's what we want. <laughs> And as far as your background, uh, for our listeners who wouldn't pick up the Westward or who don't go to websites that we recommend, um, tell us a little about yourself and what it is you do and how you got there. I'm a professor at CU Boulder. I teach creative writing probably two-thirds of the time. I also teach literature. When I teach literature, it's generally some branch of horror. I've got a haunted house course, a slasher course, a zombie course, a werewolf course, and also I teach a comic book lecture course. (laughs) It's really fun. You've covered all the bases. <laughs> I haven't done vampires yet. I don't think I know enough about vampires. But... From the article I kind of gathered, you weren't too keen on vampires. Yeah, I mean, if you have to pick a side, I definitely have picked werewolves. Well, sure. Yeah. And uh, what puts you off about the uh, vampires? I think vampire stories that we've had for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years, maybe since Anne Rice, have largely been class stories. Their Vampires are very elite. You know, they got the high collars, and they're kind of... Um, High society, they operate at a level of financial comfort that I have no idea what that's like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> bunch of snobs. <laughs> They're the rich kids of the monster yeah, world. Yeah, but really, but you know, y'all remember Near Dark, right? Yeah. Near Dark was if there is a model for this novel, Mongrels, it's probably Near Dark because I saw that you know, right soon after it came out. What it came out in '87, I guess, and. That gave me a vampire I could believe in. Just these this this family living in vans with blacked out windows, going from town to town. You know. Yeah. It's when when they bring it down to earth, it does feel mm-hmm. more like it could happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. even in the Wolfman, Lon Chaney's like this. He's inherited this castle, but yeah. you know when he's the Wolfman, he's wearing like he's yeah. you know, working on cars or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like um, y'all were talking about Curse of the Werewolf and on the on the the Werewolf Pack episode right. and. Um, that his frilly shirt does crack me up. He's such a such a well dressed werewolf. Or when you look at when you look at Kolchak, there's a werewolf episode of Kolchak from seventy one, maybe. There's a werewolf on a cruise ship that Kolchak happens to be oh, on. Oh fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I have to find that yeah. one. But Are you the sure wer- it wasn't the love boat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isaac. But um but um but the werewolf he, he, he turns into a wolf and he gets the you know, the wolf mask, the wolf wolf head, but his shirt stays buttoned and he has his tie on. It's mm. so it's so funny. <laughs> so you you were uh Nine years old when you first uh, found the modern werewolf movies that that spoke to you. I was probably about nine or ten. I mean, it would have been the Howling. I didn't see American Werewolf in London until later. Um, I would be wearing a Howling shirt, but I can't find Howling shirts, so I wear American <laughs> Werewolf in London shirts. But um, yeah, I watched the Howling so many times. I loved that movie. Um, I mean, the rational part of my brain knew that these are make-believe creatures, but the effects were so real that it kind of overrode my rational brain, and I believed, you know. And, and like in the novel, it's a community. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Um, that I, Maybe that was my influence. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it is. It's not just a lone wolf. It's a whole therapy group of people, <laughs> whatever, yeah. Have you seen um, not the Disney Frozen or Pixar or whatever, but the other Frozen uh, yeah, with the wolves in the ski lift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adam Green directed that yeah, one. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. That's a good one. Yeah, like you go into it and you think, I know this story already, but then you watch it. It's like 80 or 90 minutes of pure attention, you know? It's right. really good. Yeah. Now, um, 
back to uh, your book. Um, well, I guess we didn't really step too far into it, but mm -hmm. your book is called Mongrels. Mm -hmm. uh, what are what are the characters of, up to? What are they about? They're just about trying to get by. Um, you know, my big issue with the werewolves that I read about and see on TV and the movies is they never have to worry about passing the credit check to get a used car. You know, and my werewolves have to worry about that. And they have to worry about, man, I've only got two pairs of jeans. What if I wolf out in this pair, then I'm down to one. You know, they have to deal, right. with, they have to deal with that kind of stuff, um, which to me makes them real creatures. It makes them creatures I can believe in. And that's what I was trying to do is I wanted to believe in werewolves. I still want to believe in werewolves. And so the way I can do that best aside from going out and photographing one or something is make them as real on the page as I can and making them real on the page means they have concerns that they would actually have. I think that's great. Um, and of course, personal experience, uh, goes into your writing. I, I have no doubt about that. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, growing up, we were always moving around Texas, around West Texas. Mostly we'd go out a little deeper sometimes into Texas, but we were always throwing all our cardboard boxes of stuff into some Delta 88 or something and hooking it to the next town. Starting from starting from zero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's fun to reinvent yourself at school after school, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, here's what I got wrong last yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, as far as, uh, as far as the, the movies that, that kind of inspired you to begin with, uh, is this what got the wheels turning for uh, being an, a writer, being an author? No, the books are really what got me turned to being an author, I think. Reading the Where the Red Fern Grows in fourth grade, that really lit a fire. You know, it told me I could do this. It told me I can, like, touch people. That sounds kind of leery and weird, I guess. But um, <laughs> it sounds a bit like uh, uh, Mark Twain saying that James Fenimore Cooper has influenced so many writers because you read it and go, I could write this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it was like for me, reading Where the Red Fern Grows. Not that I could ever do something that good, but um, yeah, I did think that at the end. I thought, I can I can do something like this. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. But so, I mean, but you know, talking about books versus movies and werewolves in particular, I think the werewolf has grown up at the Cineplex much more than it has in fiction. There's a lot of good world fiction, don't get me wrong, but um, as far as the ma the big audience is concerned, we've watched the werewolf come from, I mean, I guess 1941, <laughs> 1935, really. <laughs> 1935, Werewolf of London, but nobody really watched that, so 41 is when the fire got lit for the werewolf. Right. Just kept going and going and going. And as Jolien pointed out, that's where kind of all the werewolf lore uh, was created and established a lot yeah kurt Seelbeck, he balled up like centuries of legend and lore into one creature which was it created like a bottleneck you know which right. um it it both um was like a reset button for the creature but then a bible for everything that came after <laughs> you know um a lot of people say that silver came from 41 in the moon but neither both of those had been around earlier yeah. associated with werewolves but seal mac was the first one to like get everything in one place onto one creature yeah and make you know? up make up the rhymes you remember yeah. it too yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so living in west texas uh i think you mentioned mm -hmm. that there are not a lot of wolves there there are not a lot of wolves <laughs> now a lot of a lot of pump jacks but um creating a half man half pump jack isn't quite as scary <laughs> um, but no there's not but in West Texas, there is a lot of sunlight, which probably influenced me to picking werewolves over vampires, because 
if you're a vampire in West Texas, you don't live long. No. You know? No. Right. You have coyotes. Out there. There's lots of coyotes, yeah. Lots of them dudes. And you've lived yeah. in, in New Mexico as well? No, I've never lived in New Mexico. I've worked no? in New Mexico. We oh, used okay. to live close to the line, and I'd go across and do farming over there. But I don't think I've ever lived in New Mexico. I don't think so. No. 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 You'd remember. <laughs> I'm from Will's, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Will, uh, Will is our resident expert on New uh, Mexico. Uh, I'm from Kent, but I don't have hairy hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the line my my very first novel I wrote I wrote it in 98-99 the very first line of that was an original was originally he was the hairy handed gent in the back of the bus and, uh, <laughs> I went back I added a prologue so that's no longer the first line I'm kind of sad about that but okay. uh, I've always had that song with me right? so which uh, which werewolf novels mm. were big for you um big you know this last like 8-10 years there's been so much good stuff come out like Toby Barlow gave us Sharp Teeth, which was pretty amazing. A werewolf novel in verse. Um, Benjamin Percy gave us Red Moon. Um, Chrisville Buhlman gave us Those Across the River. Carrie Vaughn's been doing her her kitty her kitty series, yes. which is really really good too. Carrie, I really appreciate what she does because she's the first writer I think I read of werewolves who worried about conservation of mass. You know, she worried about a 150 pound dude becoming. 150 pound werewolf instead of a 500 pound werewolf or 300 pound werewolf which never makes sense to me um but going back further man um probably the most influential werewolf novel for me that i read pretty much at the time of publication would have been robert mccammon's wolf sour Mm. with the you know the spy the russian spy michael gallatin he was a he was russian but he was a british spy i guess um that, that and robert mccammon is where i stole the idea in mongrels for people who shift into wolf form into werewolves to age in canine years while they're shifted you know oh uh, that's a great idea yeah yeah he, he it's totally his though it's not mine um but his his werewolf and his werewolf lore is really compelling mccammon he's he's i mean he's such a good writer that's obvious of course but I've, he's also done a follow-up collection of stories with the same character michael gallatin really good stuff oh i've not read that yeah it's okay. good uh, there was something interesting that i thought of when i was uh coming up with a few questions for you uh, was uh, your characters in the book uh, kind of reminded me of this of this thought this this joke that Louis CK the comedian mm-hmm. said uh, we've removed ourselves from the food chain mm. and he made some jokes about uh, what it would be like if we hadn't and mm-hmm. damn cheetahs at the subway platform and things like that mm-hmm. uh, does your book basically put us back into the food chain it definitely does i think um it's supposed to be kind of if you read my novel and you kind of i don't know engage it anyways in the daylight you might not think werewolves are possible but what i want is at 3 30 in the morning when you're on a night trip going from here to utah or something you pull over at the gas pumps and you look at that car three islands over it's kind of a low-slung delta or, or buick or something and um and you think what if you know and and you realize that you're no longer the boss. You know, you can be run down and eaten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you go out into the sea, like yeah. the wild sea, you're just like, oh, you realize you're not at the top of the food chain. Not remotely. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. I, I learned that firsthand uh, boogie boarding in Hawaii and oh, uh, wow. caught a dinky little three-foot wave and uh, paddled into it a little early, I think, and my feet went up over my head and my shoulder bounced off the sand and I got up just in time to find out that waves come in sets <laughs> and the second one knocked me back down and it was it was such a cool feeling. I mean, it, it's weird to say that, but it's a cool feeling to get uh, you know, 
get a little beating from nature like that mm-hmm. that you weren't mm-hmm. expecting. Yeah. It's like yeah. if you miss a wave, you, nothing happens. But no, in this case, um, you get bounced. Yeah. And I can't imagine what the surfers and the, especially the professional ones on the big waves, what uh, they're risking. Because the ocean does what the ocean does and you've got nothing to say about it. Right. Yeah. And same with, um, you know, other other yeah. things in nature. Yeah, winter. <laughs> Great example. I don't know how we exist, how, how humans didn't become extinct. Well, we <clears throat> stayed warmer climates for a while. I guess that would be it. Yeah. So, um... When, when I was a kid, the the werewolf novels that stuck out for mm-hmm. me were uh, Werewolf of Paris. Yeah, Guy and Dor, yeah. and uh, Wolfen. Oh, Wolfen was on oh, the yeah. yeah, Wolfen. Um, I think Wolfen's the first one where it was like a, a tribe of yeah, like it is. separate creatures. Yeah, that... Canis Lupus Sapiens. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're so... Wow, they're, I think the wolf, that book. Yeah, I think the Wolfen was probably actually just as important for me, to me, as Robert McCammon's The Wolf's Hour. Um I read that book a lot of times when I was young, and I so identified with the the wolfen. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be the wolfen. I mean, there's no way in Whitley Stryber's world, biology, whatever. There's no way to actually get bit and become one. But mm-hmm. um, still, my werewolves and mongrels, when they transform from their human form, I imagine they adopt the wolfen form. You know, kind of like a a little taller, skinnier wolf with the shoulders hiked up a bit, longer front legs, kind of prehensile hands, mm. and a face that's not quite wolf, and the ears in the wrong place. Oh, please bit. tell us about. I, I love when you. Yeah. Uh, I went to your uh, like uh, get together at the Tattoo Cover yeah. Bookstore yeah. last week. Anyway, um, you uh, talked about why in the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. There was the uh, Bela Lugosi one that turned into a wolf, and then there yeah. was the Lon Chaney one that got bitten. And... He becomes, yeah, he becomes a man wolf, a half wolf. Um, so you had a theory. Yeah, well, my, <laughs> you know, I watched, I've, I love the Wolfman movie, of course, and so I knew writing a werewolf novel, I was going to have to address in some way all the werewolf lore that just saying werewolf drags with it, you know. Um, and that's the biggest piece of lore there is, probably. And so I watched that a lot of times, and I could never find any in-story explanation for why Bella gets to transform into a four-footed wolf, which is really just a German shepherd, you know, mm-hmm. in, in silhouette. But um, whereas Lon Chaney, Lawrence Talbot, just becomes that kind of half-wolf, man-wolf thing. And what I finally decided and what I used for mongrels was the idea that if you're born into the blood, into the werewolf blood, then your body is built to take the transformation. You can go all the way over onto all fours. Whereas if you get infected by one of those wolves, then you become what mongrels calls a moon dog, what what the wolfman calls a wolfman or a man wolf, which is someone or something that's perpetually caught halfway. It can't go all the way onto four feet, but it can get some of the features. It can get the kind of cat face, you know, and the hairy hands and the hairy feet and the hunger. But what's really, I think, going to be the controlling thing is the pain because you're caught between states. And so when you're in that much pain, it kind of erases your your thinking. And all you do is you stumble around and bite people, you know, and you get shot really quick. Man wolves don't last long at all. <clears throat> yeah. So could you learn to become a full wolf? I don't, that, that's a good question. I did, I did write one novel where I had the idea you could go from man wolf to full wolf, but it was like a 12 year process of sitting in a cave while another wolf licked you. And that wasn't really very <laughs> dramatically appealing, you know, <laughs> real page. <turn. laughs> 
And why did uh, here's a good question about the Wolfman? Why did Bela have his clothes when they found him? No, that's a that's a. I think that, he was barefoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what about his pants and his shirt? No, that's a that's a huge issue. I totally agree. Um, you see that in TV wolves too. And wolves on TV, they often transform in their clothes, and their clothes just become fur, and then they transform back, and the fur becomes clothes. It's it's almost like a mystical, magical thing. Although you can be like Jacob in Twilight. You remember those those wolves? Um, yeah. They would they would strip down and put their clothes in a bag and tie the bag to their feet and then transform. So when they ran around, they were dragging their jean shorts with them. You know? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was in the novel. I don't remember in the movie. Yeah. But, um, but no, I have no explanation for why Bella would be dressed again. It doesn't make sense. No. I think we talked about that, didn't we? That somebody redressed him? Yeah. I heard you. Yeah. Keep his decency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, that was... The only explanation I would have would be 1941 um, ratings of right. censorship stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. They, they were so crude. Yeah. Not that it's so much better now. But, <laughs> but you know, the transformation that was, in it, that was used in The Wolfman was supposed to be used in 1935 for Werewolf of London, you know? Um, right. But in Werewolf of London, the transformation is... That scientist, what's his name? I can't remember his name. He's in his basement walking, and he walks behind a pillar, and he wolfs out a little. Next pillar, he's more wolfed out. By the time he goes past the third pillar, he's all the way wolfed out. Yeah, it's out. So cool. It's really, yeah. it's really handled well. But the reason they couldn't use the real transformation that they had prepped for, that eventually got used on Lon Chaney, was that. 1935 in 1935 they were worried because the scopes monkey trial had just it was still too near too much in the rearview mirror and they so they didn't want to visually argue for a spectrum from animal to man you know oh, oh. too much like evolution no, yeah uh, you, you must have heard of uh, ramsey campbell yeah oh yeah, yeah he did the novel of uh he did. Werewolf of London. He did. Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, like, he 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 used a pseudonym, but he did like novelizations of really? Bride of Frankenstein. And oh wow! Werewolf I've got to look London. those up. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, he's such a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love novelizations too. That's that was some of my earliest reading was reading Friday the Thirteenth novelizations. In fact, uh, <laughs> you've got the Howling up oh, there. Oh yeah, let me grab that. Yeah. Who was behind this one? That one was passed around at school. It's a novelization. Yeah. The Howling. This this is actually I oh think this, 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 this is, uh, well I think novel it, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the novel not novel, novelization yeah, sorry right, right, no right. this is one of the most Gary beautiful Brand, covers too when I yeah. when my publisher asked me what do I want for a cover for Mongrels this is a book I told them I said this oh. is the most iconic werewolf cover we've got you know it's okay. cool it's really cool yeah. yeah although in the you know I prefer the movie Howling over the novel I think the same way I prefer Jaws over the Peter Benchley novel um, yeah because in yeah. this in this one in this one and in the Peter Benchley the I guess you call it adultery happening. Mm -hmm. It seems to overshadow the horror, you know, whereas in the, both movies they play it. I mean, it happens in the howling definitely, but it, it, it's a bigger part in the, in the novel, you know? So as far as movies that what got they it, call filler, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. less killer, more filler. <laughs> as far as movies that got it wrong, yeah. uh, what, what are some of your least favorites in the movies or books? I think you mean the the least my least favorite adaptations. Well, your least favorite um, uh, depictions of werewolves and, oh. and their lives. Oh yeah, wow. You know everybody everybody talks about about the Howling too. My sister's a werewolf, right? That's not a good one. That's that's actually the only one in the series that Gary Brandner wrote the screenplay for. Howling three is pretty amazing though, and then Howling four, 
Doesn't it have the melting werewolves? Is that the one with the young member? It Is gets really oh, fuzzy it for me after three. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I know that seven is just one of the most wretched yeah. things I've ever sat through. Yeah. But uh, oh, and Howling, Howling Three actually has a marsupial werewolf. Which yes, is really yeah. fun. I love that marsupials. <laughs> but let me think. Wrong werewolves. Um, American Wolf from Paris. Yeah, that CGI wolf when he's coming down the subway car or the train, whatever it is, he looks like a troll. He doesn't really. That CGI was out of control then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you um, know, Underworld had some crazy CGI. It also. did, yeah. yeah. But it had some cool werewolves too at the same time. They I did thought. look cool. Yeah, but um, oh um. One that I one werewolf movie that I had such high hopes for that finally fails I think is the Wes Craven one Cursed. You oh know? yeah. Um, I mean they do use a CGI wolf in that which isn't terrible. They use CGI for Bad Moon too, you know, or partial CGI anyways. But um, I thought Cursed kind of fell apart. You know, it kind of, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it got nervous about the about the story it was telling, so it kind of went to camp at the end and it had a chance to kind of veer towards horror or something, but it didn't quite do it. It has the werewolf dog though, the dog bitten by the werewolf, which was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> you see, that's, you see, I'd like to see that werewolf dog at the end of um, Cursed fight the vampire dog from Blade <laughs> 3. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, remember that little chihuahua that hits, it gets the big mouth? <laughs> <laughs> like the girlfriend in Fright Night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now the Fright Night Two, I think yeah. I mistakenly said um, roller skating werewolf, but I think it was a roller skating vampire. Okay, there, there was an episode where I mentioned that, but and I this is the big fix, man. Yeah, yeah. it's like skates, really? Is that what you're gonna do? And then they did something where roses would kill a werewolf. Really? Yeah. They, I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah, or put it off anyway. Someone stuffed a bouquet of roses in the werewolf's mouth, and oh, wow. there was smoke and maybe some flames. Yeah, I seem to remember that. Yeah, oh, and that wow. was the guy who um, was in Real Genius that played uh, Laszlo Alifelt, the one that lived below the school in his amongst his weird contraptions. Oh. He played the weird werewolf in that one. The weird werewolf. Yeah. I've got to go watch that again. I've totally forgotten that. Nice. How about Teen Wolf 2? I don't think, I've, I, don't think I ever saw Teen Wolf 2. I saw the oh. first, but I don't think I ever saw the second. Man, that's you terrible. You need to treat yourself. I need to, I guess. Yeah. 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 Although I watched the, let's see, the MTV Teen Wolf series for a while. Maybe two or three seasons, I guess. Um, I've never watched that one. Yeah. The first season's pretty fun, man. It's all werewolves. But then... It gets into lizard monsters and demon ninjas and all kinds of stuff that's not werewolf. And the less werewolf something gets, the less interested I tend to be, you know? Yeah. In, in general. Yeah, in general. Yeah. Yeah, like if I'm, if I'm at a party and people quit talking about werewolves, I drift out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same with me. It's like, you're not talking about art or movies. Right. Why are you talking to me? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely tend to find our own in groups, yeah. don't we? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, that, sometimes just talking to ourselves. <laughs> that's how the podcast happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, where could we go and talk about this stuff and have as many other people yeah. listen? I, I think a lot of people do listen and wish they could join mm-hmm. the conversation because I've heard mm-hmm. that more than a few times. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we're reaching other countries quite a bit now. <laughs> I heard y'all's, y'all's call out, you know? Yeah. yeah that's cool. It's, it's yeah. really interesting to me how many people, well, I guess they, they don't need to speak English as well as they understand it yeah. to kind of get what we're talking about. And I don't think we use too much slang that people won't understand. Yeah. Horror, horror crosses language barriers, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah Brazil is crazy about horror. And of really? Course, yeah. Um, they've got, of course, the Coffin Joe movies that go back to the 60s, right? Yeah, 66. Oh, 66. And uh, 
I noticed there's a um, there's a page on Facebook. I think it's called Terror Maniacs or something like that. Hmm. That's out of Brazil, and uh, we've got a bunch of listens in Brazil, different cities too. It's not just like one person listening over and over in one city. Nice. And uh, I started to kind of wonder. What is it about Brazil? What are they? Yeah, yeah. they have good taste. Huh? Yeah, I guess I, so. I, I, I'm really into like Japanese yeah. uh, culture generally, and mm-hmm. uh, I tried looking up uh, werewolf movies in, from Japan. I could find like uh, four and a half. Wow, four and a half. Four and a half live action. This is like a culture where anything can turn into anything. Yeah, the, the yeah. idea of yokai and, yeah. and so on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it surprised me how rare the werewolf is. I wonder like, if it's because... Did Japan have wolves? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> they have foxes. Lots of foxes. They have lots of fox wives. Well, they, they, they imported like the, the, the yeah. fox spirit from China. Yeah. Oh, okay. A lot yeah. of things. But yeah, why? Um, they, they've got quite a few vampires, mm-hmm. Western-style vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. The, yeah, the werewolf didn't catch on. Maybe it's just too ordinary a... Hmm. <laughs> it's too ordinary. Transformation, <laughs> you know. You know and this is <laughs> Man this turned is into a dog. Whatever. <laughs> Well, you know, each, each culture does come up with its own were creature that is usually the top predator in its ecosystem. You know, mm-hmm. so you'll get were jaguar or were hyena and stuff. But yeah. um, but you're right, the werewolf has gone global. Definitely, the the west, the Euro, west, the Euro, eastern European story of the werewolf has gone everywhere. And it is weird that it has not taken root in Japan. I can't explain that. Yeah, I don't know. So, were there any um, any folk tales uh, with the Blackfeet? Not as far as I know, not with um, werewolves. No, no. I mean, there's various types of transformations, but if there's any, if there's any man to wolf or wolf to man stories, I don't know them, anyways. Oh man, that's too bad. That that would be a great backstory. Well, <laughs> for our listeners, uh, tell us why I would even ask such a question. Oh, because because I am Blackfeet, I'm a tribal member. Um, Blackfeet are they're out of Montana. I grew up in West Texas. Um, we used to we used to. Our hunting territory used to be most of Montana and on down into Wyoming a bit, and just thought we were, we we kind of had a lot of place, you know. Um, now we don't have so much place. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. There is a a terrible history there, of course. Uh, and uh, as far as your visits, though, um, mm-hmm. did you have family members there, or just oh, yeah. uh, familiar people? Or? No. Yeah, I've got I got lots of family on the reservation. Um, we try to get up there every year, maybe twice a year. I, I try to go for hunting. I, I like to hunt elk, and um. So I try to be there in November when the snow is down and pushes the elk down for us. But there's also, we try to get up there in July as well. Right. Yeah. It's a, not a bad road trip these days, is oh, it? Oh, no, it's not bad at all. You're, you're close enough by. I know. Used to when I was in Texas, it was a trek. But it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not so bad now. First time I heard of uh, Blackfeet, were, uh, I had a Sri Lankan friend who was really into this band called... Blackfoot. Blackfoot, yeah. 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 And I think they had a... Still cor- yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have a guitar player named Steve Jones in Black. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I might be wrong about that. I do like Blackfoot's music, though. They got good stuff. I like their album covers too. Their old record album. Had to let the pack leader out. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Leela's always in charge here. So, <laughs> oh, the dog's name is Leela. Oh, they're yeah. one of the most famous werewolf stories is Leela the werewolf. No kidding. Yeah, it's by. Peter Beagle, I think. Yeah, Peter Beagle. Yeah. I'll have to look that yeah. one up for yeah, sure. It's, it's from about, I don't know, I'd, I'd say 74, 78, somewhere around there. It's a really Wrote good the story. Last Unicorn? Yeah, that dude. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. Uh, have you read H.F. Uh, Saint's Memoirs of an Invisible Man? No, I have not. No. Because <laughs> no. that, that kind of takes that same, uh, well, not same, but mm. the, the, the approach of 
taking a fantastical character, mm -hmm. like a classic horror character, and just thinking about what the day-to-day -day things would be, yeah. how they deal with you know, vision and, and warmth mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and where to stash your clothes mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. how to you know make money and stuff like that. Oh, cool. I should, I should look into that. Um, the main place I've seen that kind of attention to detail or... I think realism is the wrong word, but maybe it's just maybe it's just detail. Is Max Brooks's World War Z, where he talks okay. about he how all the zombies have kind of dull, scratched eyes because they no longer blink or something, mm. you know, or they no no longer lubricate their eyes, and so they have foggy eyes. And he, yeah. he goes really into zombie lore. He creates the recreates the creature for us, you know. So you, you take that approach of. Uh, 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 you're not treating it as like a fantastical supernatural yeah. entity. You're, you're mm. thinking about the practical, physical. Correct. Correct. Yeah. There's creature. no, no, I mean, who knows how these werewolves started. They don't know how they, their origin story either. It's so far back in the past, but, um, there's no pentagrams on the hand, you know, um, and they, they they keep telling the next generation what the story yeah, is, so it exactly. keeps getting changed. Yeah. And, and because werewolves don't write anything down, it gets changed terribly, and they 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 lose all kinds of information, you know. Mm. Yeah. But finally, we've got one werewolf maybe writing it down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he going to get in trouble? <laughs> it's about time. It's not Fight Club or anything. <laughs> Bite Club, man. Bite Club. There's your next title. I can edit that out if you want to use mm -hmm. that. No, it's good. It's, no one will hear it. Just say the word copyright. It's been used. <laughs> we discovered Santa Jaws had been used. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we were going to make that movie. Oh, that's yeah. good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, Santa Jaws. You know, somebody showed me the other day, we were talking about, um, what were we talking about? Shark movies and possession movies, and somebody showed me a trailer. Oh, yeah, the for Exorcist. Yeah, Shark Exorcist. Oh, or what? Shark Exorcist. Jeremy Robert Johnson, I think, linked <laughs> us to that. I know, it's crazy. Um, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah. Now a possessed owl would, you know, not you wouldn't even notice this head spinning around. <laughs> yeah, there would be really no difference. Yeah, yeah. There's vomiting that goes on with owls, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, they do. They vomit up the, the what they can't digest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there you go. There's, yeah. There's virtually no change at all. Yeah. I brought one of those pellets to my second grade son when he was in second grade to his class for his teacher to dissect for the class and. She declined, but she asked if I would please stay and dissect it for them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember doing that. Yeah, it's cool. You know, all those little mouse bombs yeah. and everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's insane. Yeah. But there's people who go around. That's what they do. I mean, that's not their sole occupation. That's kind of their hobby. <laughs> they go around and collect those. They, they're called owl. Is it? That's not pellets. I forget what the name is. But um, yeah, they just collect them. And they, that's what the. It's fun to take them apart and see, mm -hmm. what, see what they yeah. ate. Yeah. So, so the the stuff in their stomach just kind of gets all bound up, and they just cough it up like yep. a hairball. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Wow. Fur and bones. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, man. it's more efficient than trying to digest it because that would take a lot of energy and probably not work anyways. Owls yeah. have stuff to do. They have they stuff got to stuff do. to do. <laughs> Important <laughs> owl business. To look at. <laughs> a lot of hooting <laughs> to annoy people. <laughs> They've got to go warn everybody that their death is coming. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or that they've been accepted to a wizard in school. <laughs> so as, as far as, and I have to ask this question, yeah. I, without even having read this book yet, just knowing you know a little bit about what your characters are up to and where they're coming from and what some of their motivations are in your book, Mongrels, um, 
have you thought about what it what it would be like to have this made into a feature motion picture? Yeah, I think you you can't help but think about it like when you don't think anybody's watching, you know, of course. Right. But um really I would I mean, I think it'd be fun as a feature. <clears throat> a lot of people have told me it would work as a feature. I see Mongrels more as a TV series or some some sort of serial release anyways. Mm -hmm. Um just because it is an episodic novel, and so it's kind of built to come at you in fifty-two minute installments or something. You know? Okay. But um, I mean, it could it could work as a feature. It would take you'd have to cut out a lot of the novel, but I think that's always the case. You know, movies well, sure. and movies and books are so different. Um, and it's also the case that I would probably not. I'd probably be the like I think the novelist is usually the wrong person to adapt or help adapt his or her own work, you know, because we think it's all precious, you know, it all matters, right. but it doesn't all matter, you know, not yeah. on the screen, it doesn't matter. Yeah, what ends up on the screen can be a lot more abbreviated exactly. and still get the feeling across. Exactly. Yeah. Who would be your dream director? Oh man, let me think. Would Catherine Bigelow be good? For she would be. Yeah. She, dark. Yeah. She would be really good if she, if she would if she could be interested. That's the mm -hmm. thing, you know. Um, yeah, she would be. How about uh, maybe they're surfing werewolves from <laughs> <Yeah>. the FBI? <laughs> <laughs> You're into something there. Oh, yeah. Okay, we got to copyright this. Like, right. cut this bit out. Copyright. Surf werewolves must die. <laughs> Surf werewolves must die. Yes. Uh, oh, if what's his face from Troma is listening, it's already been stolen. <laughs> Kaufman, 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 Lloyd yeah. Kaufman, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do the convention circuit at all? I always do, yeah. I mean, whether I have a book or not, I'm always at the conventions. Yeah. As an attendee? No, I'm usually I'm usually a guest of. Oh. Get, they want me to do panels and stuff, you know. Oh, great. Yeah. So I'm always at DCC and Starfest, and these last two or three years, I've been out of town every time Mile High Con happens. But I think two or three years ago, I was a Toastmaster, and I used to I used to always be a regular at Mile High Con. I just have been out of town lately. Hopefully this year I'm around. We'll have to keep an eye out if they ever do a reunion for like uh, um, Flashback Weekend is one they do in Chicago. And, huh. and they'll do an emphasis on one movie or another. Oh. And so um, two years ago it was a Phantasm reunion. Oh. And they had like pretty much everybody from Phantasm. And then last year it was Halloween and they had several different Michael Myerses wow. and a bunch of the oh, final girls and whatnot. Yeah. So... If they ever do one for like Wolfen or The Howling, oh, man. To keep an eye out and Definitely. just like suggest to them, hey, here's yeah. an author you might want to have. Yeah, they should do it this year. I mean, I know it's too late. I know things are planned far in advance, but this is the 75th anniversary of The Wolfman right now. You know? It's crazy yeah. to think, isn't I know. it? Yeah. And when we did Bride of Frankenstein as our first episode, it was uh, the 80th. 80th, yeah. 80th anniversary is hard, wow. so hard to believe. Wow. It's like a uh, couple of years, it's the bicentenary of Frankenstein. Wow. Oh, the book, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So we've been at this a long time, us horror fans, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. So but, what? What do you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just because, like, he's talking about the comics conventions. Have right. you uh, have you written for comics? I have. I've done a little bit of comic writing, and actually, this past weekend, I got asked to turn in 22 pages for a comic, and I had to do that really quickly. But um. Yeah, no, comics, like, I would probably never have written a novel if I could draw, you know, because comics are where my heart started out, definitely. And I still, you know, read and teach comics, of course. Every Wednesday I'm at Time Warp getting my stuff, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, I'm hoping these next couple of years to break more into comics. You know, that, that's my big plan, my big evil scheme. Because you know? <laughs> I think breaking into movies is 
it's not that it's more difficult, but it's a totally different animal, and I'm not sure I know that animal as well. I know comics pretty well, I think. And I, I, writing a comic script to me is the hardest form of writing I do because I do I'll do screenplays, novels, short stories, and comic scripts. And comic scripts take me the longest. They take so much of my brain. Yeah. And it's it's weird because, I mean. When you're writing a comic script, you're not actually writing the final thing that the reader's going to see. You're writing notes towards production, you know, basically. And the artist is going to interpret it and do different things to it as, as he or she should, you know. Because I might say five panels on the page organized like this, and the artist will know how to um, keep the reader engaged in a better way than I thought of, you know. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully I'll be the, hopefully I've been the kind of comics writer who leaves the artist room to use their brain instead of just being an extension of the writer, you know. And, of course, Will and Jolien both can appreciate that greatly because they are both comic <laughs> artists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, Will, you write all your own stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I so, try to. So you have to listen to what that writer says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that little voice. Yeah. You know, I've always had the theory that, that writers who do their own drawing um, do less caption boxes because they're able to do they're able to express through the art in a different way. I mean, I need to do huh. some statist statistical analysis to yeah, see if that's the case. Yeah, that'd be interesting to look at. Yeah. yeah. Or they're expecting us all to kind of read their thoughts. <laughs> yeah, who knows? So yeah. uh, what are some of the courses you teach where where the um, students don't necessarily know who they're getting when they sign up for your class? And then yeah. tell us about some of their surprise. Um, I've had that happen. This happened just this semester with the comic book course because it got listed in the catalog without the subtitle. So it was just studies in genre or topics in genre one of those two and so probably 20 percent of the class and there was probably 60 or 70 people in the class showed up and they're like oh comic books and so <laughs> they're asking me questions after class and i realized that i'd started out with a history of comics lecture you know coming from victorian up to platinum gold silver all that stuff but i realized i had to be more basic than that i had to actually get a lecture together teaching them how to read a comic book page you know mm -hmm. that it's top to bottom left to right top to bottom left to right over and over and over mm -hmm. and just teaching them the little cues that comic books use to deliver you from panel to panel and page to page and the difference in a, a, a telepathic balloon and a thought balloon and a speech balloon all that just all that stuff you know it was a it was, it was really fun because i had not thought about those basic elements in a long time i just kind of take them for granted so it was really helpful for me to have those students in class for whom it was a surprise, you know? Right. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you ever stumble across like that, that little gold mine that was like the box of comic books and <laughs> half the covers were missing? Uh, I dream and... of that. I dream of that. But no, um, the first comic book I encountered was Secret Wars number four. It was at a, it was at a um, gas station deep in the country. Every couple of weeks, we lived way deep in the country. We'd go to town to this grocery store, and halfway there, there was a gas station, and my mom would stop there to get gas and she'd give us each like a dollar and say you can go get a coke but one time i saw hulk holding up a mountain with iron man and spider-man and captain marvel everybody under that and and i thought oh how can anybody hold up a mountain this does not make sense <laughs> and and so i spent my coke money on that and i was hooked ever, yeah. ever i mean i wasn't able to read secret wars sequentially because the gas station didn't actually they would maybe get two copies and they'd be gone or something you right. know but um uh, Secret Wars is it was a, part of the fun, though, of oh, reading yeah. comics yeah. back then. You'd yeah. be like, oh, I missed three issues. Mm -hmm. you know? well, I don't know what happened. But. Yeah, but also back then, every every issue, even of limited series, was an on-ramp. So the first three pages would be like, here's what we did last time. Yeah. You know, let me dramatize that. <laughs> right. Yeah, the next uh, book of the 
I worked on that's going to be published uh, is this uh, this WWE like take on Secret Wars. Oh, really? So it's called Secret Roar or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, yeah, the first well, time I read yeah. the Secret Wars books yeah. was last year when I was working oh, on it. Oh, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. not as appealing well, I mean, when it, you're it, like... Yeah, it's a limited... I mean, it's a limited series that... You know, Second the, grade Yeah, the, the story... Like, Secret Wars wasn't like somebody had a good idea and like, oh, I'm going to take everybody to a planet, to Battle Planet. It was Hasbro approached Marvel and said, we want to market some action figures. Can you come up with a comic book to help us out? Mark? Yeah. And but I, I, you know, I, as I say, I just read it last year. Yeah. And you think, for something that started out from... Uh, we need to put out something to time with toys. Yeah. It came out pretty well. It no, had I think so. Good yeah. artists on it. And you know, I've seen some of the original pencils too, and a lot of the things yeah. that happen in Secret Wars are pretty corny, you know. But in the original pencils, a lot of that corniness is not there. They got edited in, you know, oh. because it was being targeted to you know a twelve-year-old demographic, and every issue had to re-explain everything. Um, mm-hmm. They did a good job. Yeah, Secret Wars is actually the first title we read in my comic book course, and some people complain mightily about that of course but i think it's a really good setup because the second title we read is watchmen so it's nice to see the difference from 19 what 82 83 to 86 you know not that it's not that it's linear necessarily i think more alan moore and dave gibbons were really changing the game but it's they can see the contrast anyways i like how they came up with the name secret wars how the hell how was that? Those were the two most popular oh, right. bo- words for boys, <laughs> yeah, six to yeah. eight or something. Yeah. And they said, sounds good. Secret Wars it is. That's great. Yeah, and you can see the little tricks they're using to sell toys. Like there's an epi- there's a panel where Iron Man has to case the whole base or something. So he pops out his skates and skates around. Oh, yeah, he's you know? oh. skate. <laughs> yeah. He had them in a really early issue, didn't he? Yeah, it was he like did. one of those things that Iron Man briefly had yeah. and never used again. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the the Secret Wars they just did last year turned out pretty good. I don't know if y'all had a chance to uh, check yeah, that. I saw that. It was pretty fun, man. Yeah. It was really complicated. You really had to like mm-hmm. have a good handle on the Marvel I didn't know universe. who the hell some of those I didn't know who were. they were either. Yeah, yeah, that's my problem reading mainstream comics now mm-hmm. is I don't know who yeah. people are. I gave mm-hmm. up on Marvel. Mm-hmm. So and DC always uses people's first names, and I, oh, yeah, I but you have to know remember. them on first name basis in both their identities. Yeah, yeah to like, follow I it. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't want to work that hard. To, yeah. to read a superhero yeah. comic. You need, yeah, you need Stan, homework. Yeah, <laughs> you need Stan Lee in the footnote saying Excelsior. This is Spider Man. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, walk us through it a little, you know. <laughs> but that's kind of the. That, I mean, comic books have. They no longer do that on-ramp. Like, they don't explain everything because mm-hmm. comic books are sold through the comic book store now. And so um, the idea is if you buy an 18th issue of a series, instead of explaining everything you need from that point on, they want you to go back and buy 1 through 17, you mm-hmm. know, to understand who somebody is, I think. Which isn't necessarily evil, but it does kind of form an exclusive club, I yeah, think. Yeah, and you've got you to know? buy into all the offshoot stories. Yeah, oh, stuff. yeah. I always yeah. kind of like the, uh, you know, they'd have... Little caption of Marvel, you know, see, yeah, Thor number eighty three, which is always a comic. You know, it would always be some comic you could never find. At least mm-hmm. I grew up in a little town. Yeah, uh, same thing. You know, gas station or the grocery stores mm-hmm. where you got comics. If you missed it, mm-hmm. if you missed Mad Magazine, you were stuck with crack. Right. <laughs> and uh, well, growing up in England, you just couldn't find the color American oh, comics outside oh. of London. Oh, wow. yeah. Just weren't around. Our crazy oh. stuff was the stuff of legends, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like <laughs> uh, I had friends who had, you know, had 
families that were better off and they they could like send off for things and so mm-hmm. I'd go around their houses and read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and also they were regarded as trash yeah so uh, I wasn't allowed to have them yeah. which didn't stop me but yeah. Oh, yeah that makes it more attractive yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess that's one other thing we all have in common is none of us grew up wealthy no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember seeing Wolf by Night the uh, Marvel Wolf series mm-hmm. It, it was in uh they did these black and white reprints is it, like dracula lives and then the the uh, then they'd have some of the frankenstein stories and the huh. werewolf by night stories in the back huh. that's cool this weekly comic cool but you got to see all that artwork in black and white yeah. cool. what does he by day <laughs> he's just, he's, <laughs> I mean, what does he do he's jack russell he has a lot of drama like his early on his he has like it's a it he has a rough family. Not a rough family, but a complicated soap opera family. All oh, right. I was thinking he would be a line cook at a, <laughs> at a diner. Yeah. Just trying to figure out what, you know. Get a lot of hair in the omelets. Yeah. <laughs> What's neat about Jack Russell, though, is he transforms into a werewolf, and he's not like a smart wolf. He transforms into a wolf who's kind of a rager. Yeah. So Jack Russell, the, the man, will kind of direct him at somebody and then transform, and sometimes it works out that he attacks the right person. Sometimes it doesn't work out perfect, you know. Okay. How about a graphic novelization of your book? I've already I've already done that with one of the chapters. I can link y'all to it if y'all want to see it. Love yeah. It. Well, can you yeah. recite that link to our listeners, or should we put it in the show notes? It's What's not. Easier? It's not. It's not public. I can. It's oh. coming out in a book in an anthology. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I can like secretly show y'all. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Eventually, secret werewolf wars. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Dot com. The secret yeah. wars of werewolves. Yeah. But the funny, Jack Russell, all he ever wants to do, when he's a werewolf, all he wants to do is break out of the city limits so he can go chase elk out in the trees, you know, mm-hmm. chase deer. I think he's in, ten, is he in San Francisco, wherever he, he goes is. He goes all over. Yeah. yeah. Um, he just loves to go out there and chase deer. That's like the honorable profession for a werewolf. He doesn't really like fighting all these monsters he has to fight, you know. Yeah. Which reminds me of the dream sequence in American Werewolf in London. Oh, I know those Nazi monsters or ghouls. No, or... I meant the part where he's running naked through the woods. Oh, yeah. Chasing a deer. <laughs> yeah, that's But true. yeah, that part is crazy. Yeah. Uh, with the Nazi werewolves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, if they're werewolves, I always think they're like pig monsters or something. Yeah, but... they have weird noses. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely scary, though. Yeah, there's a big tie into Nazis, isn't there? Because there was an actual werewolf group. There was. The, the, like very post-war or barely post-war or yeah, something yeah spied uh, yeah unit. yeah and they they spelled it i think w-e-r wolf like werewolf kind of you know? yeah. yeah 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 they were kind of, it was kind of neat Looks like um, uh, carrie vaughn did a story about them when oh you, she did i think in uh you, you were in this book called halloween you yeah had a story yeah. called 13 yeah she yeah. has a story called unternehm werewolf oh i need to read that she knows, she knows a lot about werewolves yeah she lives uh, in boulder too yeah no no carrie yeah yeah, yeah. She actually blurred mongrels for me. I was really lucky that, about that lucky about that. Oh, that's cool. She got Wolf's Hour and uh, mm-hmm. that was it. She Wolves of the SS. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see that movie. I know. Oh, Stop yeah. Grindhouse right now. Yeah. I want to see yeah. that yeah. movie. Exactly. I think I went to that one with you. That was yeah. that was when I first I moved to Denver blast. years ago. Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. That was, the previews all look like the things we wanted to they see. They did, but then some of them, like Machete and Hobo with a Shotgun, became real. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. that was pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, I got to see that down at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, which was, you know, where like I think Death Proof happens around there or something. But um, yeah, exactly. Our, our, our cups, our, they they match the cups on the screen. It was really neat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was opening night. It was cool, man. Yeah. Excellent. 
That's kind of nice that we got an Alamo Draft House up here now. It is. It's great. Yeah. I think we're getting another one, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Seems like I heard that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, the one that's south from here is a yeah, bit of a trek to get to. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I went and saw Hatchet 2 and um, nice. Q&A with uh, Adam Green. Yeah. Yeah, he knows a lot about slashers. Oh, he does. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, he recorded a bumper for us, but I also um, got all the audio from the Q&A. I've messaged him to where I'm not sure he saw it mm-hmm. to ask him if we could air it sometime. But uh, I would. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd, ask, I'd ask as well because I want to hear that, man. Yeah, yeah. and that's something that uh, eventually we'll run it. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting because um, you've got Kane Hodder with mm-hmm. him, and uh, mm-hmm. I got I got a question, and mm-hmm. so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's nice. Do you teach about slasher? Yeah. Movie. Are, are you teaching kids? You know don't have sex don't go out in the woods or are you teaching them the history of the more of the history and the conventions of the genre but the don't have sex thing it's funny because i don't think you know john carpenter says this too that in 70 what 77 78 when he's doing halloween they weren't being punished for having sex mm-hmm. the reason they died while having sex was that if you're a killer that's the best time to kill somebody when they're naked and otherwise occupied you right. know? <laughs> but it became a punishment definitely. yeah it was kind of a joke yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what are your favorite uh, slasher movies? Oh, man, Scream is at the top. Scream is probably yeah. as good as it gets for me. And I love the... I mean, of course, um, the original Friday the 13th. Probably all the way up to... Maybe up to four. I like them mm-hmm. all the way up to four, I think. And Halloween. Um, I love Halloween. I, lo- I like the way Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 pair up real well, of oh, course. Yeah. Um, ben Tramer. Yeah. <laughs> and um, well, recently... I loved Cabin in the Woods. I loved Your Next. I loved It Follows. Um, That's what I was going to yeah, ask you. Yeah, we talked about that yeah. one. Yeah, did you notice how that felt a lot like John Carpenter's world? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah and that, that boom, boom, that, that beat, you know, mm-hmm. that was really good. Um, and I love the Tucker and Dale and um, Behind the Mask, the Leslie Vernon story, all that stuff. I love the slasher parodies. Mm-hmm. I love I love parodies because what the parody does is it burns the excess fat off the genre, and the genre can then move on leaner and meaner, you know? Yeah, that's, that's like, a good point. Yeah, yeah, like what we do in the shadows. Yeah, that was awesome. And it's getting the sequel. We're wolves. We're you know? wolves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Such a. How did we we asked this question before on the podcast? How did no one ever think of that one know. before? They almost did it in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, I remember when they're in the cart, they're going to the castle, and 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 whoever it is in the back, that oh that Gene, what's his name, Gene. Um, I forget his name. Anyways, he says Wilder. Yeah, Wilder. They're, they hear a howl and he goes werewolves. And then Igor in the front says um, werewolves. Yeah, like he's joking, like werewolves. They're wolves, you know. <laughs> I love that man. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and of course, you know the history with all the electronic equipment. Um, that was the original stuff from Frankenstein. That was invented. really yeah. That stuff was created by uh, Kenneth Strickfaden. Huh. And uh, apparently, when they were dressing the set and getting everything put together they asked well where can we find some of that laboratory looking stuff wow. and apparently some older person who was working uh, on the universal lot said well you know that stuff from frankenstein's in storage it's been mm-hmm. used since but we still have it and they plugged it in and it worked oh that's so cool so they used it they plugged it in and probably burned down universal studios <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which would be quite a sight wow i had no idea it's, it's a giraffes galloping away yeah. and conquistadors <laughs> on fire <laughs> Uh, but no, the slashers. I, the, I think slasher is my favorite genre. The werewolf is my favorite creature, but the slasher is far and away my favorite genre. Your next novel is. Uh, I don't know. We don't Lake know. Lake Exits. Oh, I, Lake Exits only. I've written that the slasher, but okay. um, I have yet to give it to the publisher, and who knows if they would like it if I did. You know. Um, 
but I'll keep writing slashers. I've written The Last Final Girl. That was, and I've also done Demon Theory. Both those. The Last Final Girl is all slasher. Demon Theory, the first part of it, is slasher. That's a three-part novel. Are there clear motivations for your slasher? What, like, what? Why do they do what they do? Yeah. Well, is it known to the audience? Is a better question to the reader. It's revealed to the audience eventually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Last Final Girl, the killer is named Billy Jean, and he wears a Michael Jackson mask and a red studded jacket, you know, and he has a sword he kills people with. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. the most ritualistic horror genre there is, isn't it? It is. Like it is. And that's why I like Cabin in the Woods because it really foregrounded the ritualistic aspects of it, you know? Um, it made it into a ritual that we have to keep performing in order in order to preserve the world, you know? Yeah. So how about uh, Jason X? Oh, I like Jason X. Man. I see. Yeah. I think we're in the minority because a lot mm. of people hate on that movie, but I think Jason in Space is oh, great. Oh, no, it's such a good idea. I mean, I love the. It's this. It's a bad idea to try to thaw this corpse they find out, but it's a bad idea in Jason Six to dig him up and put that iron spike through him for lightning to strike. You know, the, I mean, Jason's always Friday Thirteenth's always start with pretty bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, you know? isn't Ralph Mouth from Happy Days in on that one? Really. Is he? I think he is. Wow. Like he's in one of those Friday the Thirteenth right. movies, and I want to say it's the one where they drive the spike through him. Oh neat! Wow, I don't remember that. I remember mm. Marcia Brady is in Return to Horror High, isn't she? I think she's a security cop. Um, I'm gonna cheat and look this up on IMDb. Yeah, no, that's so cool. That Ralph Malph would be there, man. I grew up on him. <laughs> but um, no, I love I love Jason in Space, man. It's such a yeah when when he gets those nanites or whatever, and he becomes like super bad. Man. Yeah, and also the holodeck where they try to slow him down by presenting him with campers that yes. you can beat against the trees <laughs> you know that was that was initially supposed to be i mean the campers with the trees is great but they initially wanted to get um what's her name betsy palmer the the mom in the first one they okay. wanted to bring her back and they thought you know he's always saying he's always saying kill 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 mom 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 mm-hmm. um, they wanted to bring her back because they thought that would be a wonderful distraction for jason but they couldn't get the Contract or the finances or something, right? I know George Clooney's in Return to Horror. Yes, yeah, I don't yes. remember the rest of the cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Donnie Most is now Don Most. <laughs> okay, Don. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll be Steve Jones, man. Steve Jones. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, it's you got to have them. goals, man. <laughs> let's see. I'm only going to scroll for a moment here, right. but uh, let's see if he is... Uh, in that Friday the 13th movie or if I'm having a faulty memory. Holy but, crap, he's in The Crow? Oh, neat. What? You know, Friday the 13th part six, what I was happy with was we had a real Jason because we were coming out of the fifth part where it was an ambulance driver, yes. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that was kind of a letdown, you know? Yeah. We felt betrayed. I like the, who's the guy who played Jason in part six? He, he kind of played him like a land shark. He was, yeah. He's good. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I think it was just one of the one-offs. Yeah, yeah. Before Kane Hodder came in. You know, I got to work at, like, I was at a con, some con, and Kate Hodder was at a table beside me, and I was like, it was, I was, I didn't care about anybody coming to my table, I just wanted to, like, I wanted to talk to him eventually, yeah. you know? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't see this in here, that's a faulty memory or something. Yeah, I don't remember. So, 
But the Fonz, the Fonz is in Scream, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that makes up for a lot of things. <laughs> so did you get to watch Kane Hodder choke about a thousand people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the people like to pose with him, yeah. And he will he will actually yeah. choke you till you start to lose consciousness, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's his thing, for real. Yeah. He, he wears those gloves and he just like... He's like an insane clown posse or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a juggalo, <laughs> which makes yeah. him like ten times scary. Yeah. yeah, he's a big dude, man. He's um, a big scary scary man he, he's he's the one who brought us the head tilt didn't he oh yeah, yeah I, I think, think he's he did. the one who did that yeah. well actually yeah where he turns his head and his body turns around and oh oh you i'm th- like the puppy thing is what i'm talking about oh um well nick castle did that in uh in halloween, halloween yeah when he stabs that dude to the wall that's right yeah huh. yeah yeah Lucky Ben Tramer, he wasn't there, you know, to, to get stabbed to death. But then, <laughs> if you watch part two, you know, Ben Tramer and the Lovers of Haddonfield. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, didn't Halloween come to the, to TV? Is that right? It's, really? It's a series? That's what I heard. I don't, maybe I, maybe I I, it, maybe it's just a rumor. But the Exorcist. Don is, Most right? is starring. I understand. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he'll be known as Donald Most. <laughs> Donald Most. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're doing an Exorcist TV series, yeah. so like it'd be a, a demon of the week, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, that'll be uh, fun, man. I wanted to be yeah. like on Happy Days when the Fonz would walk in and everyone would scream yeah. and cheer. I want and that to happen. They're doing an, an Omen yeah. TV series as well. Really? Really? There, there was that awful TV movie, Omen 4. Really? I didn't see that. Oh, I never even heard that. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Omen 3 wasn't any good, but... Yeah. I'm kind of yeah. curious. Omen like, 3 has a fantastic soundtrack, though. It oh. does, yeah. I think I was Omen three. I was still scared, but it was like leftover scare from the original Omen. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were the, those two sequels were running on fumes. Yeah, they were resting on past accomplishments for mm-hmm. sure. No, if, yeah. if you were to host a bad movie night, yeah. like the worst of the worst, obviously we've got what the Howling Seven yeah. or you know yeah, those. Com- like that. But what, what would be some other ones you would pick? Oh man, you want to you want to do entertainingly bad because well, Howling you Seven, you just lose all your friends. <laughs> right, you lose all your friends. Well, maybe what what would work best is if you could just pick ten minutes from each of the worst movies and just oh, well, kind fun. of just show that. See, my my, my the one that's worked for me is a double bill of the. Uh, the burning followed by pieces oh, because yeah, they're yeah. so entertaining yeah. such crowd pleasing yeah. crazy slashy yeah. movie was was pieces also released as the dorm that drip blood is that the one i don't i get i, I get it okay so. i get it it's like it's a spanish slasher movie okay. where like you get stuff like this kung fu guy suddenly turns up and huh. it's it's pretty bizarre all right i don't know if oh, i've seen I, that yeah i gotta see that yeah yeah, yeah. we're gonna do a live one of that. you know talking slashers i was so surprised recently i watched christy it's called it's a lifetime tv slasher and i thought it was gonna be like a hallmark card but it was pretty brutal man it was good it was huh. built proper and it was lean and fast and mean i really liked it a lot yeah there's some good tv movies like the late 70s there's mm-hmm. one called night terror and you know, they're pretty effective. He's I think, cocky I think, and I think, I think I know Night Terror. I don't know. Yeah, she's stuck out in the lonely highway and yeah. gets pursued by a guy. Yeah. We talked about how the car looked like it might be a made-for-TV movie, <laughs> the way it, the way it felt. But Killdozer was, I think we yes, discovered. That was yes, that I don't know Killdozer. Was. Oh, Killdozer. Based on the Theodore Sturgeon story. Really? Whereas this like like energy being that takes over a bulldozer. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. Killdozer. 
Sturgeon was one of my very first brushes with horror when I was a kid. I picked up a collection of his called E Pluribus Unicorn. Mm-hmm. And there's a story in there about a teddy bear that after the parents turn a kid's light off, lights off, it goes and sucks blood from this kid's neck, you know? Mm. And it's like feeding on the kid, and that terrified me so completely. Back yeah. when we could get scared by that stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, the world is just so... I don't know, man. Before we got on blase about decapitation. <laughs> <laughs> One of your short stories, there's this... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was called Daniel's Theory About Dolls. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's from this collection, which is all doll stories, where the... Uh, the, the editor is Ellen Dutlow. Yeah, yeah. And she said, you don't write an evil doll story. Yeah. But yeah. Well, apart she, from that, you can do anything. And you did this, like, really pretty <laughs> nasty. Yeah, it's pretty twisted. Yeah, yeah, it's twisted. Oh. Did you ever run across Trilogy of Terror back in the day? The one that had the little... It's a, zuni. The little yeah. Zuni doll. Yeah, I remember Trilogy of Terror. Yeah, yeah that was... Yeah. See, that was something that would scare yeah. people back then that yeah. I don't think would even yeah. move anybody now. When you said that, I initially cued on that John Ritter movie, Terror Tracks. Do you remember Terror Tracks? It's a so. it's an anthology thing where he's a real estate guy taking people around to places, and it always ends up like, here's a horror story where I go here. And, but it's pretty good, man. Wow. T R A C T. Yeah, Terror Tracks. I think that's tracks. what it's called. Yeah. Not not to be confused with Chick Tracks. <laughs> J, JT Chick. I don't know. Oh, that, the little religious pamphlets? I don't know. Man. Yeah, they, had some, they had some good scary monsters <laughs> really? in those. Yeah. I guess he was a failed cartoonist who decided he was going to evangelize the world with his miniature comic books. Oh, wow. He wasn't failed. I mean, wasn't he, he put out a zillion of those little books. <laughs> they used to find we them all on know the, his uh, name. <laughs> used to find them on the left of, on the shuttle bus downtown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These, these little pamphlets of telling you how you're going to go to hell oh wow yeah, yeah you're pretty much doomed by all accounts every you know, oh, yeah. kids play D and they yeah. go to hell yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh. like just give up now and just go straight to hell <laughs> isn't there like a hatch we could just jump down because we're all bone <laughs> but yeah, they, but yeah they had some good like some of their monsters and devils and stuff in those comics were pretty really pretty good really they weren't quite ec or anything but oh they're yeah they're oh. terrible little comics oh, nice yeah yeah, and of course, my my worst takeaway from the whole thing is that God's going to show you everything you did wrong on a jumbotron. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be super embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I don't man. want that. You know, I was I was thinking lately that what if, what if hell is you have to sit in a room and rewatch every video you ever watched online, like every cat video and every... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Where's that saying from? From hell is other people. Yeah, yeah. Sartre, I think. Yeah. Sartre, yeah. yeah, that's true. Hell is other people. Well, you you drove on on thirty six today. So, yeah, no. yeah, you know hell is other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank right. you for driving here to be with us. I mean, oh, that's man. crazy. That's Thank cool. you. That's cool. That that was a a feat that uh, most people wouldn't <laughs> want to undertake. Uh, uh, your short story thirteen mm-hmm. uh, is about this like cinema called Big Chief. Mm-hmm. Where uh, if you you watch a horror movie there, and when it gets to the scary part, and you hold your breath for two minutes, then it kind of manifests mm-hmm, mm-hmm. somehow in the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a great line in it where uh, he goes on a date, and as he glimpses a movie about werewolves and chainsaws, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "It's the chocolate and peanut butter of the horror world." It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Werewolves like and chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like that, that one you were talking about, um, Werewolves, Werewolves on Wheels, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that that one needs to be remade. Yeah, with some so. actual werewolves on werewolves wheels. Werewolves on yeah. wheels, like a yeah. pack of, yeah. you know, straight up bikers. Yeah, yeah. spiky jackets and one arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah. You can see the tattoos showing through the hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I should just draw the comic and say, look, <laughs> this will make it as a movie. You know, there is... Film this. What's that show? Oh, Shadowhunters. It's like a young adult show based on Cassandra Clare's series of novels, what, City of Bones or something. But in that one, there is a were- there's a pack of werewolf bikers. They're called... Yeah. What are they called? Dogs of something. Maybe it's whatever city they're in. But they're just what you say. They, they're just tough dudes who werewolf out sometimes, you know? And it's pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that reminds me, I was going to ask you earlier. Yeah. Um, you have, of course, I'm sure, seen Dog Soldiers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that is that among your favorites? It is, yeah. I really like dog dog soldiers. Um, I like those tall shoulder pad werewolves. They're pretty fun, you yeah. know. But they move fast when they're in the woods. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It all looks really good, and of it course, does. the original negatives and decent prints have gone missing. So really, yeah. So the transfers yeah. are a little muddy and that. a little dark, and it's huh. just kind of a drag that that happened. Huh. But, uh, Oh, that's, but that's too bad. But overall, it is one of my favorites. And, yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, I sent yeah. my personal copy to my nephew a few years ago when he was mm-hmm. he was recovering from some kidney surgery or something. And mm-hmm. so I sent him a few of my favorites. Nice, nice. You know, if you, if you like dog soldiers, you might also like Howl. Have you, you seen Howl? I haven't seen Howl yet. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Gensburg Paul. Yeah, that's it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's got James Franco in it. Man. Oh, sweet. <laughs> James Franco, the stoner werewolf. Oh, man. That's like, wonderful. He was in the Wicker Man remake. It all yes, ties he in. was. <laughs> How do you burn? How do you get How burned? Do you get burned? <laughs> yeah. My friend said that one of the outtakes from Wicker Man is probably the best line. I don't remember. Oh, they put a bee helmet over his head, and I guess there's, they don't animate the bees, so it's just Nicolas Cage rolling around on the, the floor screaming, the bees, the bees! He makes some great guttural throat sounds where the bees are supposedly going in his mouth. Yeah. Oh, that was, Ow, my legs. Uh, <laughs> that movie was probably the... I think I had to rent it to, for, you know, to talk about it on the show. It was some of the best Ooh, money I spent that month. <laughs> I really enjoyed you that. You know, I like his movie, what's it called? Drive Angry. Yes. Because yes. he does a lot of driving angry in that. You know, I like yeah. a, I like a movie that fulfills its promises. That, that was yeah. kind of the best ghost ride in yeah, movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. And the guy is very talented and very capable. He just oh, ends yeah. up in these horrible movies. I, yeah. I think it's kind of like the uh, David Carradine thing. Of, oh, yeah. You know, David Carradine couldn't get $10 million to do one movie, but he could get $1 million a piece yeah. to do 10 movies, which is what he would do in a year. Yeah. Or there's that old joke about Nicolas Cage. You know, what does he say when he's done reading a script? I'll do it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Before he reads the script. Because <laughs> actually how that goes. Yeah. Want a part? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> What's a pay? Hey, man, if the check's going to clear. Yeah, yeah. He's got one that I want to watch. It's at Redbox called Pay the Ghost. It seems like it has oh, yeah. a good premise. Is it good? I've, I've just okay. seen trailers okay. for it. I've, right. I've heard it's not. Okay. All but right. it's Nicolas Cage. It's yeah. fantastic. You're going to be watching Nicolas Cage one way or the other, so how bad could it really be? <laughs> it's like Christopher yeah. Walken. Man, you know? Imagine him doing a werewolf transformation scene. Oh, I, could, I could picture that. Rending his clothes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Making of... his own werewolf costume. 
<laughs> running around punching women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, man. really, all you got to do is change the head on that costume, and yeah, you can get yeah. an idea of what it would look like. Yeah, that's cool. Glued some fur onto a football helmet. He was all set. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is there anything we haven't covered yet? Um, transformations, huh? Yeah, transformations. I feel like that's a big one. Yeah. So in your book, uh-huh. how do the, how do you handle the transformations? They hurt, man. I think, I think you have to pay a price to get this speed and this jaw and everything you know um yeah so it hurts it's vol it's it's voluntary like 80 percent of the time in, in mongrels anyways but you can get mad because somebody cuts you off in traffic and turn into a wolf too which sucks because Ultimate then your dog rage. can't drive a car you can't, and you can't yeah <laughs> and you, you get all stuck and it ends up terrible you know? yeah of course you could rip a cop's throat out so yeah, you know yeah, true yeah yeah so there's that yeah uh, and as far as uh, how do you handle the clothing issue? They're always hurting. Like the the narrator, the main character, he has generally one pair of pants. You know, and has to be careful with them, and that's always an issue for them. Um, like the uncle, there's the aunt and the uncle. They transform pretty regularly. The aunt is really good. She'll take her clothes off and fold them and put them on the lawn chair and then run off into the woods. But um, the uncle, he just wolfs out, you know, tears everything up. So he's always going without a shirt and everything. And another thing they have to watch out for is taking out the kitchen trash. They do, yeah. The trick is, like, transforming into a werewolf just uses up all your calories. And, like, it, ta- it takes a lot of calories to grow a new skull and grow a whole body of hair and all that stuff, you know. Um and so they come out of that transformation just absolutely ravenous, like blind with hunger. And if they have transformed in the living room or their trailer, and the first thing they smell is that fragrant odor of the trash, they'll eat the trash. But the problem is you throw away like um, like can lids and forks and stuff in the trash. And so the werewolf will go eat that trash and suck it down. And when you transform back into a human, that can lid will perforate your stomach and you die. You know? oh. So they can't recycle is what they you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So when they're ready to transform, how mm-hmm. much how much time does it seem they have before their opposable thumb and forefinger makes it to where they can't get their genes off in oh, time? That's a good point. I didn't actually deal with that. I, I I talk about how once you're once you've been doing it a while, you can transform in the time it takes. Like if you dump a can of coke over, and the time it takes for that coke to spill out all the way, that's how fast you can transform. If you've been doing it for a lot of years, the first time through it takes like eight minutes or something, and you black out from the pain. But um. I didn't think about that. I did think about how do your tattoos migrate when you transform? Like you have a cool thing on your forearm, but when you're a werewolf, it's in your armpit, you know, stuff like okay. that. But I don't, I don't talk about when the thumbs go away. I should, I should consider that. They just become dew claws. And, yeah. Yeah. Know. Dew claws are a big part of mongrels. But, okay. That's uh, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> we just had to clip Leela's dew claws the other day and she yeah. was not amused. No, dogs don't like that. They don't. No. no. A lot of dogs, they, they remove the claw completely yeah. when they're little. Yeah. Which seems cruel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it. Do yeah. they have to watch out how much they eat when they're a wolf? That, that, that's, that's a big issue. Yeah. Turn back into a person yeah. after you ate, I don't know, a 150-pound whole... guy. Exactly. That'll, that'll, you'll burst, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a big, it's a big issue, definitely, for werewolves. Yeah. And as far as um, mm. the amount of time they spend mm. as a wolf, is mm. that anything they have control over? 
more or less like the typical story is you wolf out and you wake up in a hayloft naked you know that's how it usually works but um, i can't tell you how many times that's happened <laughs> <laughs> no wolf but <laughs> but these werewolves they can generally they can run out for four or six hours at night and more or less time it where they turn human with daylight or something right yeah yeah moon effect then? No, but that's simply because of my lack of imagination or lack of scientific prowess. I don't know what you call it, but I, I cannot figure out any actual difference in sunlight and moonlight. Like moonlight is just reflected sunlight, you know? So the the unique property would have to be in the lunar dust, the, the regolith, I guess it's called. But um, that doesn't make sense to me that the, like the albedo state of the moon is going to transform the sunlight in a way which affects the inner canine in the person that doesn't make sense and also it doesn't make sense that if a full moon transforms you does a quarter moon like get you one paw or whatever yeah you know? it doesn't doesn't really it, track it's maybe it's the the, uh, the gravity like the tidal the tide, effects that, that the moon dog brings yeah. your exactly that's, that's what i talk about with the, the 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 people who get bit by these werewolves these familiar werewolves these wolves that are born into it the tides kind of do affect it. They, it, the moon sings the wolf up in them, but it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit biological, physical, and it's just as much cultural, I think. Cause as a, as a culture, we're conditioned to think that you transform with the, with the moon, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And so if you think that, then you expect well, that's it. Interesting. Yeah. How, how old is that part of wolf law? Because wolves go yeah. back thousands of years. They do. Yeah. And... The, the earliest I found it is in the Satyricon by Petronius. Is that his mm -hmm. name? Yeah. Um, and in that one, there's a dude walking along with a soldier on a full moon night, and they're walking by a cemetery, I think, and the soldier says, hey, wait a second, and he takes off all his clothes and pees a circle around him, and then he transforms into a wolf, you know, and runs off and kills sheep and does all kinds of stuff and gets stabbed in the neck by a pitchfork okay. or a spear or something. But um, really, I, my suspicion is that the reason the full moon got associated with the werewolf um, it, it, it didn't it wasn't a trigger for a long time it was just an association and i think it's simply because on full moon nights you can see better in the trees so you see more wolves and so you make the supposition that wolves must come out under a full moon when really it's the case you're just seeing more wolves because there's more light and i think that's where the association started and then it became a trigger through many many retellings hmm. Hmm. i like that <laughs> yeah the, one of the very few things that i remember from having to study latin is mm -hmm. recipulus was werewolf oh <laughs> in, in the roman oh neat, right, neat. It must be pliny or someone yeah no it was um yeah herodotus wrote about werewolves virgil did yeah they they, they all they would all recount werewolf stories you know because they, they were around definitely what was, and, it, what was, well, the, what was the greek guy Remus who, who, uh, La romulus yeah they were raised, raised by, wolves. by a wolf they're you think lyocoon yeah, yeah, yeah he, he like sacrifices his one of his sons. Yeah, well, Zeus comes knocking on his door, and Lyokun says, "I'm going to see if he's really a god." So he, there's different versions of the story. Sometimes mm -hmm. he kills a slave. Sometimes it's one of his own sons, and he minces him up, puts him in a stew, and feeds them to Zeus. And Zeus puts his spoon in, and he's about to take a bite, and he's like, "Wait a second. You know? <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't actually fall for it. Yeah. But what he does is he punishes Lyokun by making his inner nature be his outer nature. So his like wolfishness that he carries in his heart becomes what he wears on the outside. Which, which, that's the same thing that happens in The Wolfman in 1941 because, you know, Lawrence Talbot is using his big telescope to peep on, what's her name, Gwen? Gwen, Gwen. Yeah, yeah, Gwen. And, um, and then he's all stalking her and everything. But what's happening is, I think those that first little 
which we're supposed to think of as a wooing, the wooing sequence. I think it's really a stalking sequence. We're supposed to understand that Lawrence Talbot is exhibiting predator behavior there. And so then once he gets bit, then his predator is able to release and he wears it on the outside. It's a short, yeah, it's a short trip from yeah. what he was doing to yeah. what he is later doing. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know if we recorded it on the, the werewolf episode, but you know, Romulus and Remus, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the word for wolf was lupus. Mm-hmm. And which is also slang for prostitute. Oh, it is. I didn't so know. So it's it's probably more likely that they're actually raised oh, by a prostitute. That, yeah, just a transliteration thing. Or yeah. Something. yeah, that really was actually slutty a, wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be both. I had no idea. That's cool. That was on the lead-in of that episode. It was. Yeah, because yeah, like if you go to Pompeii, like uh, the, it's not a, not a big town, mm-hmm. but there's like five or six brothels, wow. and they're called lupinarians oh, because wow. they the prostitutes would line up on the balcony and whistle like the wolf whistle oh that's so as, cool as guys went by in there and... oh that's so good no idea I've missed that and I've taught the werewolf class three times now and I've never oh, stumbled at the end. That. that's so cool <laughs> yeah Lupinarium reminds me of the orphanarium in Futurama you know <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh you're a big Futurama I fan I am a big fan of Futurama yeah I, I used to speak most of my conversations I, I would speak in quotes from Futurama Kiss my shiny ass. <laughs> Kiss my shiny metal ass. Or no, it's bite my shiny metal ass. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember Lucan the Wolf Boy? Lucan the Wolf no, Boy. No, there's an episode where he turns into the car, isn't it? <laughs> the honking. Yeah, oh, the, honking. the honking. That's yeah, the he that's turns the into the car. Right? No, no, that's, that's, that's Futurama. Futurama. It's Futurama? Yeah, yeah Bender. Bender becomes yeah. the car. I remember that, yeah. 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 And, and yeah, he looks like the car. Yeah. No, Lucan the Wolf Boy was a uh, a series in the 1970s where this uh, young guy uh, he's trying to integrate into society, and he was raised by wolves. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of like Man from Atlantis, just with yeah, wolves, man. Yeah. Wow. And it it seemed to me it ran a few seasons anyway. Wow. But, uh, I need to look that up. I had no man, idea. In the 70s, we had Evil Knievel, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you know all this great stuff going on. Yeah, oh, I, so I talk cool. about killer bees. We had killer bees. We're a big <laughs> yeah, threat. Killer bees. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff coming to get us. Even Queen was singing about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a little over ten minutes left, yeah. and, and before it gets down to like thirty seconds left, I want to, uh, I want you to let the listeners know where they could find some of your short stories if they want to read them, and where they could buy your book. Mongrels. They can buy the book. Probably anywhere books are sold. Um, Harper Collins has great distribution. They can always find them at online retailers. You can always go to my website, stephengramjones.com, and I have links to a lot of short stories there, and I should have links to all of my books as well, and especially Mongrels. Cool. And some great cover art, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they did, they did, yeah. They did really good. Nice forced perspective. Yeah. With this big wolf, he's in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, did you have final say on the artwork? I didn't have final say, but I had some actual input. You know, lots of times publishers take my input, but it doesn't really matter, you know? Right. But Harper Collins or William Morrow, they actually let me, they gave me an original a six pack or something of, of covers, and I said, no, none of those. And so they gave me a totally different, like, four pack, and I said, maybe 20% of this fourth one or something. And then we just kept building from there and it became really cool. And my editor had the final say, there was two versions of this cover. There was a red one and a yellow one. And 
I like the red one. My agent liked the red one, and the editor overwrote us and said, no, it needs to be yellow, and she's right, you know, totally. Because I think these are road wolves. These are road werewolves, and yellow and black goes with highway interstate a lot better. That makes a lot of sense. Then yeah. you get the red for blood. And uh, yeah. black on yellow shows up at a further distance than any other oh, combination. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That, that's why street signs are that way. Really? For sure. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember hearing that. The yellow is the... Yeah, we, we did that in color theory in college. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things that stuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> a few. Yeah, I'll use that later. <laughs> So do you um, do you draw a lot of your own uh, comic ideas, or do you just write? Mainly? I just I just write. I wish I could draw, but I I don't have that ability, so I only write. Just draw with words. Man. Do you do any? Uh, well, I know mm. some artists mm. or some writers mm. will mm. kind of draw a little thumbnail. Mm. Do you do any of that? I can't even just, do that. I've you just kind of go with the description. Yeah, sort of how you do. And it, then if I'm working movie with, script exactly, yeah. And then if I'm working with an artist, like the she or he will give me like, is this what you mean? I'll say yeah, except for wider shoulders or higher boots or whatever. And then oh, okay. we kind of figure out the character from that, you know? Yeah. Because oh, I so I so desperately wish I could draw. But... Well, you know, a good place to start is get um, it's nothing but an endless headache, really. <laughs> <laughs> You're better off. Yeah, I shouldn't even suggest. I should just focus on yeah. writing because <laughs> the drawing is terrible. We need more writers. <laughs> yeah, and we just we'll let Will continue to go through the hell that is being drawing. being the drawer, the, the drawer, the drawer of things. So, yeah, uh, I I can never draw stuff to where it looks as cool as it looks in my head. Oh, I don't think anybody can. I know one guy. Damn him. <laughs> Paul. I wonder if anybody think, thinks the other way, like, things I draw look way better than I thought oh, they would. It turned <laughs> out great, man. No, I, I think that uh, if the stuff I could imagine looked as good on paper, man, I would I'd be really happy. Yeah. I just struggle to get it look half as... I kind of work in accidents to the techniques so that it, mm. hopefully it comes out better than I thought it might mm-hmm. yeah that's a good approach mm-hmm. yeah so do you have any advice for young writers people who are inspired and they want to get going with their writing what 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 should they do i think my biggest piece of advice would be don't spend all your time on one project we get a story a novel a screenplay a comic script whatever um i really like ray bradbury's old advice that the way to do it is to write one story a week such that by the end of the year you have 52 stories. You know, I see I see too many young writers, they have one premise that they think is pretty solid and so they write that story for three years but at the end of the three years they have one story and it may be good, it may not be good. If you write 52 stories then it's kind of just statistically impossible to write 52 bad stories. You're going to do good once or twice, I think. You know, It's yeah. like all the times that we've heard uh, musicians say that, oh, I don't know why that was the hit, you know, we weren't even <laughs> going to record that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, that's the hit. I Literally. know, so obviously. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but you're too close to it when you're yeah. the, the creator of things. Yeah. Yeah. I was just watching the Tom Petty documentary and they were talking about that Mary Jane song. They just threw it on the album as a kind of a throwaway, you know, and it became one of the biggest songs of his career. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how many, I was reading uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, mm-hmm. which is a comic. Yeah. I've heard hip-hop. about that. It's, yeah. it's excellent. But there's so many people in there that their novelty song was the one mm-hmm. that got them famous mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something that they, you know, the Beastie Boys got famous for uh, Cookie Puss because they made huh. crank calls, you know, yeah. to Carvel and 
Carvel was going to sue them, but evidently uh, Carvel's nephew was a huge Beastie Boys fan and talked his uncle out of it. <laughs> That's crazy. Nice. But then you have like like Warrant with Cherry Pie, you know, and that that was their signature song, but they hated playing that song. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. You yeah. know, you yeah. end up hating. Yeah. hate playing those songs. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Just like on the Flintstones when uh, when uh, Fred got that hit single. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah. Fred getting a hit single. Yeah, he had, he had this persona, Hi-Fi, <laughs> and he had some song called "Listen to the Mockingbird." Wow. Or, or I don't remember that. that. I watched all those, yeah. man. And uh, Herman Munster did that, too. Huh. There was a Munsters where the same thing happened. I think they probably all had the same writers. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my suspicion. A lot of that stuff felt the same. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, they had cigarette commercials back then, so everybody's mm. judgment was all over the place. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we got, we got a little, what, five minutes left? Yeah. Have we, have we not covered anything? I think we've covered about, what, What's your favorite transformation on screen you've seen? Oh, that's a good well, one. American Wolf just... Yeah. I, I was just so amazed by yeah. that. Yeah. I, I want to not say that one because it's the obvious yeah, choice, but, but it's the yeah, obvious it's choice for so a reason. Yeah, it is. It is. It still holds up, too. And Wolf Cop. <laughs> yeah. In the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wolf Cop's transformation in the bathroom. So like, even with the, uh, the Wolfman reboot movie with Rick Baker doing yeah, it again, he, did. He, he couldn't top it because people now they were just yeah. oh it's just cg even though it wasn't yeah yeah uh i always i always like the way in transformations you always it always becomes a point of view thing for a moment and the character looks at his or her hand going mm. stretching out you know yeah. it's become a trope of the convention but what about hemlock grove had a wicked transformation yeah that uh, did. That i was, didn't get through that that, um, that was that. a show that I couldn't stop watching. It was such a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> it was like made no sense. Yeah, and but the transformation is really the it's transformation. The, it's is in the pretty fourth cool. episode, I think. And um, yeah, he, I mean the eyeballs fall out, and um, then afterwards there's kind of like a leftover placenta from the transformation. The wolf eats that. You know. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wicked, man. I think that happened in the remake of Cat People. Really? I think it did. I could be wrong on that. Oh, wow. It's been so long since I've seen that, I don't remember. Huh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other ones that really stood oh, out. Oh, there's... In uh, yeah. your story, uh, Pig on Still Life, there's references yeah. to Manimal. Yeah. The, the yeah. TV series. Oh, I loved Manimal. Yeah, yeah I remember Manimal. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anything about Manimal, <laughs> but I do remember that it, it was a thing. It you know, was the, a thing, yeah. There's that... Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen this, you don't need to go watch it. It's Werewolf in a Mexican Prison, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen that? Mm-hmm. Where that woman, like the, the like the guards let people pay money to come watch her transform, kind of. And um, she's in the cell, and she starts doing all her shaking and trembling, and it's practical effects, which is really cool. And when she finally transforms, she digs her fingers into her scalp and, like, peels herself in half bisecting her and then the wolf is pointing up his his her mouth is pointing up and the wolf mm-hmm. kind of emerges it's really a beautiful transformation however it's a thing that only works once because if she transforms like six times it's she's gonna get littler and littler because you have to be littler <laughs> each time you know <laughs> yeah. the company of wolves has like the traditional like yeah. turning inside out that's really oh cool. yeah that was a good one yeah that was, i was so sad at that that wolf gets killed and his head falls into the vat of milk oh. you know yeah, yeah no, that was some pretty bloody stuff though um, yeah. but I, li- I like Eddie Quist in the howling saying let me give you a piece of my mind yes. you know? <laughs> which Robert Ricardo he ad-libbed that line if I remember correctly he, he made yeah. it up yeah 
He's all bubbly from all the yeah, acid. Exactly. Exactly. So are there yeah. any uh, any new ones coming out that you're looking forward to? Uh, new movies? New yeah. Movie? Let me think. Yes, there is. What is there? I cannot oh, I really want to see Green Room. Green Room is fun, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty brutal. Um, let me think. There is one that I'm waiting for. What is it? I keep them like in a special list on YouTube so I can watch the trailers, you know. Right. But I can't remember the title anymore. What did you think of The Witch? It was, it was fun. I thought The Witch was fun. I'm... Being more a fan of the teen slasher, that's really where my tastes lie more. Okay. Like, had the goat had the goat got up on his hind legs and done some more stuff, I'd have been a lot more happy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> From the sound of it, that goat was a menace. <laughs> they were glad it didn't. Oh really? Yeah, they were that? supposed to have more with the goat. Really? But he was a very temperamental really? actor oh, wow. and did not get along with the director or anyone else. So. Black Phillip was. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea. We'll have, we'll have I'll to, be in my trailer. <laughs> right. We'll have to look forward to some of those uh, television adaptations yeah. you know, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Well, it looks yeah. like we've got a little over a minute left, so um, I guess this is a good place to say thank you again to the Moonrays for the intro creature features and uh, to encourage the listeners to rate, review, and subscribe. And, uh, you know, shout at us on Facebook if you want to. We're not hard to find there. And uh, what's what's your website again, Stephen? StephenGrahamJones.com. Stephen with a PH. Yes. Or if you want to remember it, Stefan. Just say it's yeah. Stefan in or your al- head. Or also DemonTheory.net will get you there. Or DemonTheory.com. Okay. That's maybe easy to remember. Well, cool. Well, thank the, you very much. Yeah, thanks yeah, a lot thanks. for being on the show. Man, it's so cool. A lot could, of fun. I could do this all night just talking about werewolves <laughs> oh, and yeah. monster movies. Yeah, if, if, if we could get the other uh, card for this thing to uh, to <laughs> keep the settings for the sound. Well, we'll, or... uh, we'll have to meet up and go and see the next Friday 13th reboot. Yeah. 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 And yeah. as I like to say, we'll have our expectations met while we... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you listeners for listening and uh, stay off the moors. <laughs>